Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, February 16th. We begin with the latest on the trucker protest in Ottawa. We catch up with Abigail Beeman, Global News Ottawa correspondent, for an update, including Tuesday's announcement that Ottawa Police Chief Peter Slowly has tendered his resignation. Next, we get a breakdown of the federal government's changes to testing protocols when it comes to international travel, specifically the requirements for travelers returning home to Canada. We get details from Global News reporter Sarah Offen. Then we continue our series focusing on mental health during the pandemic. This time out, the positive health benefits mentally we can receive from taking on a hobby. We hear from Dave Woodard, a reporter from 900 CHML Radio in Hamilton. And finally, we are now at the midpoint of Black History Month. We take the opportunity to speak with Robert Small, Black history expert and member of the Order of Canada. Robert brings us the stories of two Canadians who've made a real impact in our country and across the globe. We now have Abigail Beeman on the line, Global News Ottawa correspondent. Good morning to you, Abigail. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, talk about what you're seeing this morning, but I want to get to the the meat of the matter first, and that's the resignation of... Ottawa's police chief yesterday. Tell, tell us what was surrounding that. That's right. So that is uh, Chief Peter Slowly, who has come under a lot of fire for his handling of this demonstration, which has been, uh, many people believe, to be a hands-off approach. And there are many who have wanted more action, uh, a resolution, before now day 20. So on day 19, uh, he stepped down. He issued a statement saying that he is stepping down with a heavy heart. And then we had some careful language at the Police Services Board meeting where they sort of made the official announcement about this, saying that the uh, city and chief slowly have reached a mutual separation. Uh, so that is the case there. The uh, former deputy police chief, a man named Steve Bell, has taken over as interim police chief. He spent the meeting trying to convince uh, city council members who sit on the police services board uh, that uh, that uh, that the Ottawa police have a plan to end things. And uh, that plan, uh, he wouldn't give any details of it, what it is, when it may be rolled out, how many resources they have, although he did say that they've reached a turning point uh, and that they do have the resources that they need. Got less than a minute here, Abigail, but I wonder if you can break down exactly what you're seeing this morning in the Capitol and, and what we might be able to expect today. A few things, and I'll try to run through it quickly. So we do have a city council meeting. Haven't had one of those in quite some time. Expect to hear from the mayor. We are also expecting a court hearing this afternoon about the honking injunction. So the horns have been uh, largely quiet, depending on on who you ask or who's around at what time. But uh, lawyers will argue to extend that 10-day ban on honking, which is uh, expiring. Uh, Lawyers for residents here in the city of Ottawa who are frustrated with that. And then, of course, we'll be watching the Hill uh, for when uh, they will table and debate Uh, the Emergencies Act. We just got notice that the Senate is being recalled to do that on Friday. Still waiting to hear uh, what is happening on the Hill. Well, help yourself to an extra cup of coffee or 10, Abigail. Sounds like a busy one ahead for you. Thanks for your time. (laughs) Thank you. That is Abigail Beeman, Global News Ottawa correspondent. Yesterday, the federal government updated their travel recommendations, changing COVID testing requirements for fully vaccinated travelers. With details, we're joined by Global News reporter Sarah Offen. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning to you. Well, let's let's break this down, uh, you know, as far as what changes are now in effect that, you know, wouldn't have been in effect. And I know they're coming up, I believe, what, on the 28th of February, I think. Um, what, what changes are coming and how are they different than what's in place right now, Sarah? 
Yeah, so one of the biggest changes, and I think the one that most people are talking about where there's been a lot of pressure uh, for this mandate to be dropped, is the mandatory PCR test. Right now, anyone arriving in Canada has to show a, a negative molecular test taken within 72 hours of entering the country. In a lot of places, um, those tests can be around $150 U.S. Uh, we've seen prices higher in some places, lower in other places. Um, and it's been a challenge uh, for a lot of travelers to try and make sure uh, not only that they're getting that um, test from a qualified place, um, but just getting it accessed and making sure that they have all of that in place before they leave. Um, we're hearing from a lot of people, it's not only just the cost, but the complication of doing it. Um, it's something that the U.S. Is, has dropped before us. So uh, a lot of travelers that we've been speaking with welcoming that, while others are also saying, you know, it's something that made me feel kind of safe when I was traveling, that, that you knew that those around you had, had um, already passed this PCR test. So we're hearing a bit of a mixed bag. For the most part, people are, are pretty happy about it. But by the end of the month, fully vaccinated travelers can instead just show a negative uh, rapid antigen test taken within 24 hours of arrival. It does still have to be administered by a lab. So if you've got some of those uh, tests hanging around at home and you think, oh, I can just take that on board with me and, and do that test and show them my little you know, it looks like the P-test strip, then um, I'll be good to go. No, you're going to need uh, something a little bit more official by that. It still needs to be done by a lab, but it does make things a little bit easier for travelers. Yeah, and cheaper, but there still is that process. And as far as the kids, there's some changes as well, and it's dependent on the parents, isn't it? Yeah, and, and this is interesting because this is going to be coming um, in time just for March break. So probably a lot of families that will be pleased about this. Children 12 and under who are not fully vaccinated. But if you're traveling with a vaccinated adult, you will no longer have to quarantine when you get back to Canada. So that removes that need um, for people to be spending that time at home. Of course, if, if your child is quarantined um, and, and they're under 12, there's a good chance that parents need to quarantine with that as well um, to be around for those kids. So that's going to make things easier for people that are looking for a little cross-border travel or maybe a, a warm weather getaway. Yeah, you know, in the family, it's all in this together, particularly if you have a, a grade three student, for example. Uh, let's uh, talk about the fact that, you know, this is something that the travel industry, you know, is, is applauding. And, and I think they just like to see more of the same, right? Because that's an industry that's been kicked on so much over the past two years. Absolutely. And, you know, we've heard that from airlines, the National Airlines Council of Canada also reiterating the same thing, uh, saying that, you know, they're happy for this. They want to see more changes and more um, testing requirements specifically being eased at the borders. Um, the other thing is that, you know, the, we've also seen this lowering of the travel health no notice from level three down to a level two, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that we're no longer advising Canadians to refrain from non-essential travel. So it's interesting because while we see uh, a lot of people here, um, and, and they have been well, throughout the pandemic, anytime we're here at the airport, sort of ducking our cameras, trying to avoid um, us as they head out of the country. Um, jet setters who've been waiting for that international escape uh, will likely be able to carry a little less guilt yeah. aboard their journeys uh, pretty right. soon. Never a bad thing. Less baggage to bring with you. <laughs> so Thanks so much, Sarah. We appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. That is Sarah Offen, Global News Reporter. We've been focusing on mental health this month as part of our ongoing health series. And in this installment, news anchor Dave Woodard from our sister station 900 CHML in Hamilton explores the impact hobbies can have on our mental health. 
From sourdough starter to model train layouts, hobbies have suddenly become a greater part of our lives during the pandemic. And it's easy to see why. It's felt like coming home. Nadia Alam is a family physician in Georgetown, Ontario. She says she used to paint more when she was younger, but that when she started practicing medicine, it kind of fell by the wayside. But then COVID-19 happened, and Nadia says that she was looking for some sort of outlet. It came out of this moment of crisis for me, where it was a combination of work stress and personal stress and family stress all kind of colliding all at once. And out of that, I, I turned in desperation to painting. I started running too. Um, and, and between the two, I started finding my footing again. She says painting helps her express herself in a way that words can't. Pictures or visual media like like painting, like photography, like sketching, and like anything else that's visual, including mainstream media, has a different way of telling a story. And in some ways, it resonates at a deeper level in ways that you can't describe with words, right? And I can't remember who said it, but they, someone said that language sometimes creates more confusion, more misunderstandings, and isn't as clear as you think it could be painting, I find, is clearer. But not everyone is starting from scratch. John Johnston is into model railroading. I started model railroading in the late 60s. For him, it's been a lifelong fascination. I'd always enjoyed trains ever since I was a kid back in Scotland. We used to ride on the train. Families didn't have cars in Scotland. Train travel was the primary way of getting around. However, the hobby of model railroading isn't like painting, according to John. He says it's meant to be a social event. Model railroading uh, tends to be a social activity which you get involved in with either a club, 20 or 30 other people, or in a small group, two or three other people. And the socialization part is as much a part of the hobby as actually building the models and running the, the models. And uh, the pandemic has put a bit of a crimp in that. However, John says the social aspect of the hobby hasn't been completely lost by the pandemic. In the case of uh, railroad enthusiasts, uh, the prototype that we model is outdoors. And so we've still had the opportunity to get out socially distanced and uh, go watch our favorite trains and, and still meet in that manner. John's dedicated at least half of his basement to a train layout with dozens of model trains, landscapes, and stations. He says model railroading for him is a way to get away from the grind of life for a while. It's something that you can enjoy and simply pass some time and from a medical standpoint, he's not far off from the point of hobbies. Dr. Renata Villegas, the incoming psychiatric chair at the Ontario Medical Association. Hobbies can serve as a coping mechanism during times of stress. They can help distract people, shift the mindset, avoid them getting caught in these loops, especially when there's so much negative information that feels like it's coming through with regards to ever being able to be on the other side of this global experience. She says no, she wouldn't prescribe taking up a hobby to deal with stress brought on by the pandemic, but it's not a bad suggestion. Hobbies can have a role in just changing up the daily grind, so to speak. And that can be very helpful in terms of the pathways in, in our brain 
in terms of bringing a little bit of variety. But for some, hobbies are not only a way to help deal with the stress of the pandemic, but they can unlock things that we didn't know we could do. I didn't realize how much meaning I would get from painting when I started. I knew that I loved it because I had loved it before. Um, but I didn't realize what it would tap within me. For the 2022 Health Series, I'm Dave Woodard. Very interesting. And I recall at the very beginning of the pandemic, a couple of things. Yeah, the finding yeast, if you want to make bread again. Everybody was was like the early 1900s all over again. Everybody wants to make the bread. But obviously, there's nothing better in the world. It's a fact. It is Wednesday. February 16th. And yes, Black History Month continues just past the halfway mark. And our conversations continue with Order of Canada recipient, artist and creator of the Legacy Poster, Robert Small. Robert joins us again to shed some light on important figures in Canadian history that deserve more attention. Good morning to you, Robert. Morning to it, Andy. How are we doing? Good, good. Now, it's interesting to me, Robert, because you said you'd be traveling across the country, moving from east to west. You said it, and you're doing it. Uh, let's start yeah. uh, this time out. Where we've moved to Ontario. Is that right? Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm virtually going across the country. So I imagine myself on the 401 right now, driving <laughs> a Ferrari <laughs> at the speed limit, at the speed limit, by the way. Yeah, right? apparently there's no snow on the 401. We've got a lot of snow here in Calgary this morning. But yeah, that's, what, a, what, yeah what, that's what I heard, you know. So. Wouldn't want to take the sweet ride out in the snow. But uh, this is interesting because you've got an inventor up for us this morning to get, kick things off. Robert, who do you got? Yeah, I have an inventor that everybody, about 75% of the people on this line have uttered something in reference to him. And you know what that is, Andy? What's that? Have you ever said the term the real McCoy? Of course I have. It's in the lexicon. Yeah, well, you don't know that that actually refers to a black person by the African-Canadian by the name of Elijah McCoy. And Elijah McCoy was an engineer, as an inventor, and he actually created an invention called the drip cup. When railroads, back in the day, when railroads, when there was railroads, that mechanics had to go out and oil the wheels of the uh, of the of the of the railway of the of the train. They had to stop, and then they'd have to travel, and then four four hours later they'd have to go out and do it again. Mm-hmm. But his invention called the drip cup allowed oil to drop onto the wheels of the train while it was in motion, so the the trains never had to stop. So consequently, when people realized that his invention was going to revolutionize how trains traveled, how we tra- how on a worldwide scale, people started to copy that invention. And when people started looking for their invention, they started saying, "Well, I don't want that copy. I want the real McCoy." <laughs> and that 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 term refers directly to Elijah McCoy and his invention. Incredible. And when you think about you know going back a couple of years to the height of the technology that brought railway travel to us and the fact that in 2022 we're still very much connected with railways what an important invention yeah exactly and to, an, an important invention and also to realize that his his invention actually got into the lexicon of uh, oh. on a worldwide scale and people do not know that that aspect of black that's related to black history you know like a I can get into other inventions like the ironing board and everything like that, but mm-hmm. uh, 
that's for next year when I <clears throat> when I lobby CHQR to do for me to be on there again. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you have to save your material and spread it out, Robert. So that was I know exactly. That was the story <laughs> yeah. of the real McCoy, known as Elijah McCoy. Uh, next up uh, this week, Thornton Blackburn. What can you tell us about his place in Canadian history? Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about Thornton Blackburn as well as his wife, uh, Lucy Blackburn. They were escaped slaves, and they have an incredible story that they, I didn't even know the depth of it. Also, I started reading more about it uh, prior to, uh, you know, uh, to showcasing them with you today. And they actually had, the, they lived in, in, in uh, Toronto, Ontario, and uh, they escaped from Kentucky via the Underground Railroad. And they actually established Toronto's first horse-drawn cab company. And in 1995, and they, and they, this was only found out in 1985 when archaeologists unearthed the foundation of a small house and, uh, and a root cellar. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually found out this was the site of Thornton and Lucy Blackburn's home uh-huh. and their business. They were wealthy, they were wealthy slaves at the time. And, uh, in 1985, the Ontario government, along with the Ontario Black History Society, and 3,000 school tr- children excavated that area to find out their astounding story. That is crazy. And, you know, it's interesting to me that you said <laughs> 1985. So this is, what, 37 years ago that we're learning yeah, about yeah. this? Yeah, exactly. Right? So people always think of history as something that we've known all the lo- all along, but history is, uh, is an unraveling quilt. and. We, we always check and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about Black History Month now that we're at the 16th of February, just past the halfway mark. Yeah. And something we've chronicled in our conversations with you, Robert, is that you know maybe in the U.S. they do it better than we do here in Canada, although we have just such an equally and as deep and interesting history here. We perhaps don't recognize it to the same extent. What is the best way to recognize it? Is it to, to try to dig up these stories? What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. To, to one, dig up these stories, but in addition to that, you know, tell them with pride and and really be with vigor as well, right? And that's what I try doing whenever I talk about black history. But as an African-Canadian myself, it excites me to learn about these stories and realize about people who have overcome adversity, you know, in this technological age, we should be the Elijah McCoys. Encourage us, our our youth mm-hmm. to be the Elijah McCoys of 2022 and create an invention that's going to revolutionize the world, right? Especially during this time when they, when anything's game. Yeah. So I think that that's what we have to do with Black History Month now. And from the real McCoy story, what I take away from that is here the invention was the the train, and it did exist, but it was bettered. So I think sometimes. You know, perhaps even the younger folks out there in our country uh, get stopped in their tracks and say, well, it's all been done. But maybe that's not the case, right? Oh, no, exactly. You know, no, definitely. We still have to look around. We can look around our kitchen and wonder about what things could be invented. Uh, The name eludes me right now, but a Nova Scotian actually created an invention that that drops the proper amount of cream in people's coffee. And he thought of that when he went to a coffee store, you know, all 30 or 40 years ago. And uh, he noticed that the, the person didn't put enough cream in their coffee. And he created that invention. That made him a multimillionaire. Incredible. Yeah, and we can always put coffee 
in our cream ourselves. I mean, cream in our coffee yeah, ourselves. Yeah. Although sometimes I like a lot of cream, so it's like it doesn't matter. I didn't <laughs> yeah, put exactly. first. Uh, but, you know, that was improved big time. So, uh, you know, just before we let you go, I assume we're going to be moving into the Prairie Provinces next week, Robert? Yeah, exactly. You know, I have to put the pedal to the metal in my mind and make sure I get to Alberta on time, but I'm pretty sure I'll get there. Okay. <laughs> Looking <laughs> yeah. forward to it, and thank you for taking your time and uh, revealing some of these incredible stories that we all could learn from and would like to celebrate and observe on Black History Month. Thanks so much, uh, Robert. Thanks again, Andy. See you next week. You betcha. That is Robert Small. He is a member of the Order of Canada, artist and creator of The Legacy Poster. You can find out all about Robert and what he does at thelegacyposter.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.